Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. This is Andrea Schwartz with The Kingdom Driven Family. And for this podcast, I have invited a guest. Her name is Ann Cisneros. She lives in Texas. She's a wife and mother, and she is a graduate of my Calcedon Teacher Training Institute. Anne, along with a number of other women, diligently pursued going through the Institutes of Biblical Law by R.J. Rushduni with me. Uh, it was every Tuesday night for... I think, what was it, Anne? A couple of years, at least. Two or three years. Three years. Three years. Anyway, so um, the reason I'm inviting her on, not only because she's a great person to talk to, because she really has a homeschooling mindset, not just for homeschooling being the end in itself, but as service to the kingdom. And she recently embarked on a trip with her children and we'll get into that in a second, but first I'll let Anne give a little bit of background on herself, and then we'll get into what I think is a very interesting story. Okay, hello, I'm Anne Cisneros, and I have five children. My oldest is uh, 10 years old, and my youngest is three. I am from originally from Indonesia, and I've lived here in Texas uh, since 1996. Uh, that's around uh, the time, like uh, when I was in high school, I, I came here with my parents, and then eventually I got married here to an American. So I am, uh, so I do have Texan children, and so I wanted to tell you a little bit about why I went to Indonesia. Indonesia, um, my dad still lives there with all my relatives and his, his family. My grandma is still there. One is still alive. And my mother passed away about a year and a half ago. And so since then, it's been pretty lonely for my dad. And he invited us. And he said he wanted us to come and visit him because he was so lonely. Normally, he would come here with my mom. But since she passed away, it was just... He was always like texting us and saying that he's saying everything that he's doing, he's alone. So he finally said, okay, here are the provisions for you guys to come and visit me. And this was unexpected. I mean, I never thought that I would ever be able to take my children there, the cost and all that. So it was an answered prayer for me. So that's why we even went to Indonesia in the first place. Okay, so let me stop you for a second. You have five children ranging in age from three to ten. And as far as I know, your husband did not go with you. He didn't. He didn't have enough vacation days. And we have animals to take care of at home as well. And it was just more convenient for us to go ourselves on the schedule that, you know, was uh, cheaper flight tickets and cheaper plane tickets and all that. And he didn't have to worry. We, we went there for 20 days. So that was quite impossible for him to come with us. I see. Now, having traveled just with family 
three kids and a husband that I did and, you know, getting in the car and taking an hour and a half drive to the beach or something like that can be pretty hairy at times if you have children that aren't cooperating and are tired and are hungry and they're traffic jams. But I'm not sure of the mileage. How long a trip is it from where you are in the Houston area to Indonesia? The good part was the airlines had direct flights that stopped only one place to refuel, and that was in Taipei. The first leg uh, was uh, 13 hours. Uh, well, going there, it was 16 hours because of the time difference, I think. And then we waited three hours in Taipei, and then after that, it's five hours to reach Jakarta, which is the capital city of Indonesia. And then how far did you have to travel to get to your dad's? He lives in Jakarta, but because of traffic, it's about an hour to get to, to home. Okay, um, so I'm sure most people who are listening are saying the woman must have mental problems if she <laughs> endeavored to do this without her husband and traveling with five children. So give me a sense of what you did either right before the trip or what you've been doing as you have been raising your family that made you think this is doable? This opportunity we never imagined would ever happen. And so when we heard about it, I mean, I always know, like in high school, I remember people were always trying to find a way to go through to these exchange programs to other countries. You know, like if you learn German and you want to go to Germany and things. So I knew that this was like, a great opportunity, especially if someone else is paying for the plane tickets. So I I talked about it with my children. And at first I thought, okay, I'm going to leave maybe the three younger ones I won't take. I'll just take the two older ones because people were telling me, no, bring only the ones that's worth it, you know, worth it for them to learn and remember this trip or will listen to you, you know, in the plane and and not complain and things. So I thought about it quite a while. And then, but then once I realized we have to learn to stick together, we have to learn to be in public together uh, because this is how the family is. And I wanted the older, oldest one to also, to also experience what the younger one was experiencing. And then the younger one would, uh, they do better together. And that's what I realized. And I didn't want one to feel they were being a, left behind. And so anyway, once I made up, my mind about that, then it was easier to think, okay, what is the purpose of this trip? What do I want to accomplish? I wanted them to see the difference in culture and, you know, be grateful what we have here in the United States. I also want them to meet my dad and the relatives and my grandma. She's bedridden and she's never met the children before. So I knew that it was important for you know, to have a generational vision and how to show my children how important it is to take care of the grandparents, the elderly. And and I thought this would be the best time to show them that because they don't know. They don't know any of this. So once I realized that, then we started preparing. I started talking about it a lot to them. What I wanted them to learn I I talked about, okay, the foods are going to be different, and I will start describing it. Probably about a month before we left, I was already starting to tell them about, you know, what to expect in the airport, what to expect in the bathrooms in the airport, 
in the plane and how to behave if people are talking to you in a strange language. I just said for them to observe what are the differences and what are the, and I realized that this whole, the schooling thing is going to be mobile. It's not going to be with just what they're used to, you know, seat work, reading books and reading from there. But I'm, I told them they have to watch and listen and learn, uh, observe and all these observations. They have to remember, you know, that the schooling was going to be different. It was going to be alive and more than just the books. And so they, they've heard a lot about that a month before we actually left. And we prepared as well about, you know, they knew they, knew they were not going to be with their dad. So I was a little hesitant at first how that was going to turn out. But then, but then my oldest, my oldest, his name is Asher, he's 10. And he said, come on, mom, we can do this. I will take care of the others. I will help you. I'll help you carry, carry Andrew, which is the youngest. I'll help you, you know, if he's cranky. And so because he was so positive about things, it made me feel like, yes, we can do this because we can help each other and we can do this together, you know. And then my daughter said, well, we have to make it there. If, I know it's a long journey. We have to make it there because if not, Kung Kung will be lonely. Kung Kung is how they call my, my dad. So mm-hmm. they say like, Kung Kung will be lonely. We don't make it there. So they knew that that was the purpose for the long journey. So in terms of your orientation with your children, aside from this trip, I happen to know that you involve your children in a lot of things that you and your husband are very passionate about, and they're not unused to doing adult things. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, we're, we're very open with the with everything that we're doing, um, my husband is very active politically and tries to speak up about God's laws in the political realm. And so the the tension that happens with that, the conflict with outside people and the discussions, you know, we're always very open at the dining table and talking about it. I try to involve my children with the things that we can do uh, in politically as well, like via the polling places or speak up when we can around the community. And so they're used to hearing what is the main purpose of why are we doing certain things and the whole kingdom driven mindset that we're doing everything for Christ's kingdom. And uh, we're actually going to go do our homeschooling stuff on the other side of the world so that we can understand better how Christians are over there and, how other people that are unbelievers, how they are over there so that they can be more prepared, you know, about doing kingdom stuff and that homeschooling is not just about what are we doing today, but it's preparing ourselves for how we could be useful in the future as well for God's kingdom. So they are very familiar with that. What at least the older ones are, the younger one just follows right now, but So this seems like the ultimate field trip and the ultimate unit study, because I imagine in preparation for it, there was a lot of geography about where they were going and uh, the route that you were taking and, and things which, as you put it, made the homeschooling come alive. Yes. Yes. We talked a lot about uh, the different, the countries and, it, it just became easier to understand when in the plane they have this software right in front of them 
and it shows where we're going, where we're coming from and where we're going on the world map. And that was very interesting to be able to see the plane move a little bit at a time. And then it says like, how, how, how many more hours we have to go. And, and then when we come on the other side and for them to understand time difference, that was really amazing. So I imagine starting from when you got to the airport in Texas, as you were boarding, I imagine you got some pretty interesting looks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. Actually, the whole trying to purchase the tickets was also a challenge. Somehow the airlines had a, a rule, a policy that only one, uh, one adult can only have a maximum of three children. So they said this wasn't allowed. But I did speak to the travel agent during the time of preparations, and she booked us, and she was able to book us. Of course, she was surprised, and she's like, are you crazy? Are you really going to do this? And, and I said, yes. And in confidence, I was, you know, I was just really confident about that. And then she did something. When she was booking, she did something I don't know. And then uh, when we actually went to, on the day, we went to the counter and trying to check in, the employee was saying that this is not working, something's not working, and she has to call the supervisor. And the supervisor came, and I didn't understand this at first, but it came, it, the same thing happened on the coming back. And then I realized what happened was because of that policy. They said this is not allowed you know you're not allowed to to take this trip and then the supervisor was watching the children's behavior and of course I've told the children they have to be orderly and because people don't think this is gonna this is a good idea and they're like oh yeah we can do this we can totally do this they're very motivated I guess by that and so they were in their best behavior it was really good the supervisor was watching them and they were very orderly. And so I think she overrid, uh, overrid the computer in a certain way. So that was interesting that it was possible. So so when you're actually on the plane, I, don't, I imagine it was a big plane since it's going across the Pacific Ocean. Did you all sit together? Did you, did you get looks from other passengers? Mm-hmm. They did. Yes, we did get some looks, just like an annoyance kind of look. And, but, but nothing bad happened. Uh, nobody was acting out. Nobody was crying. There wasn't any complaining. The travel agent was really smart. She put us on uh, three people together and then the next row, three people together. Of course, knowing that I put my old, my oldest with two others and then me on the next row with the two others. So I could actually watch them all. We also, it was interesting. We also practiced going through security a lot. Like at home, we would be like, okay, this is how we go through security. Take off your backpacks, your shoes, and you know, everything has to be in the backpack and you walk straight this way. Well, we practiced that a lot. So by the time we were at the airport, we were really good at that. And uh, everything went smoothly and everybody, we just, yeah, it was, it was great. So I'm curious, how many times did people tell you you had exceptional children and that you were so lucky that you had well-behaved children? Uh, We heard that a lot uh, in the trip. Uh, A lot came from my relatives that actually spoke to us. They said that, wow, your children are calm. Why are your children calm? Why are they sitting nicely in a restaurant? Because we ate out a lot over there. 
and with lots of relatives seeing uh, with us. So it was a lot of socializing and they would just sit and they would listen. I told them that anything that is given to you, you eat what you can. And if you don't want it, just leave it on your plate. I don't want any complaining and no uh, throwing a fit or anything. And they were very good about that. Thankfully, nobody was sick or complaining about that. It's good that we're together all the time and they're, they're used to being with me every day. I think it would be different if I, you know, if I put them to daycare or something, they won't really listen very much. So, Well, the reason I brought that up the way I did is I hear this a lot, whether it's in church and you have a family where the children are able to sit during the church service, or you can go to the movies and you don't have children complaining and making a lot of noise, or even on plane flights. And what a lot of people don't appreciate is that you train your children. When Scripture says to train your children the way they should go, you went so far as to train them as to how to deal with the annoyance of security and the fact that there were going to be a lot of unfamiliar things on this trip not yes. to mention people speaking to them in languages they don't understand, Yes. right? So it's not an accident that you have well-behaved children because you and your husband have made it a priority that they're taught that God requires them to be obedient to you. God requires them to act as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Yes, I do know there was one incident that really was significant to me. Over there, a lot of the children are raised by the maid. So the children spend most time with the maid. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them uh, are being spoon-fed till an older age, which is kind of interesting. So so a lot of the comments that were amazed was, wow, all your children are feeding you, eating by themselves and feeding themselves. Because sometimes I would put them on on the next table so that mm-hmm. I could talk with the adults, you know, and they were fine over there. They were eating themselves and I didn't have a maid with me. So, <laughs> so they were amazed about that. So one, one time I was, uh, we were walking in the subdivision with my aunt's maid and my aunt, we were just walking and my aunt, she's like really worried about many things. So she would be worried for cars or motorbikes hitting us. So she would, scream and yell at the maid to protect us, protect the children, not me, but protect them like, uh, move over to the left, move over to the right, you know, be careful, there's a car coming on the right. But she's talking all this to the maid. Like she's not talking to my children. She's talking to mm-hmm. them. And she's wow. she's yelling at the at the maid, right? Uh, watch, watch, watch him, watch her, you know, whatever like that. And then I realized how different it was because all I did was I, I said, Asher, watch out, there's a car on the right. Okay, Ayu, scoot over to the left. You know, like I was talking to my children. She was talking to the maid to control my children, which wow, thought, wow this is amazing. Like I never realized that, that difference. I realized you know, that is what parents need to do is speak to their children, give instruction, uh, the importance of giving instruction to the children rather than having the maid 
correct the, ch- the child or like indirectly like that. It's not, it, we can just talk to our children directly, tell them the instruction. So that's why, you know, the Bible speaks about my, my son, listen to my instruction. You know, it's like directly from the father to the child. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. So was your husband able to, by means of Skype or things like that, be able to be in touch with you and the children throughout the trip? Uh, the first week, yes, because we had Wi-Fi. And then the second week, we went through different towns uh, to visit the other relatives, and we couldn't we couldn't really call him for about a week. And then the last week, we came back to the uh, the main house, and then we were able to communicate again. So I imagine um, your husband had something to tell the children before they left to know that they. You know, he was expecting that they would mind you and whatnot. Um, Did that have an effect on the kids in terms of knowing what dad wanted them to do? Yes, especially to my oldest son. He said, you're the man. You need to watch out for them. You know, you need to take care of the younger ones. And another thing was also very helpful was just his... He was so willing to carry the luggage with no complaining, you know, because knowing that he's the man there... And Mm -hmm. I didn't have to get the, you know, to pay somebody to carry the luggage. I mean, there are carts. It's just that normally you pay somebody. He was feeling very responsible. And when when my husband calls, he would give the full report, you know, what he has done, how everything is fine, and how uh, how my husband doesn't have to worry about it. And it was really good to see him step up like that. So when you were coming back, was it sort of a letdown for the children or are they ready to come back home? They missed daddy. And towards the end, like I became to, I mean, I realized that the importance of the dad and the family, this is not something that you could do long term because it comes to the point where, you know, the voice of the dad when in instructing and disciplining and all that is really, really significant. Towards the end, it was just getting very exhausting for me. They were, you can tell that they're, they were ready to go home. They were ready to hear from dad. Like, what is the next thing they need to be doing? Mm -hmm. So was it a letdown when they actually, aside from jet lag, which I don't know if you get jet lag in the direction you're going, but was it hard to get back to a quote unquote normal routine? As soon as we got here, we got sick. And so uh, so for the first week, we were sleeping, trying to adjust, and also some of us had fevers and things. So we were thankful that during the trip, nobody was sick. And then God was just so merciful to us that we got sick as soon as we got home and uh, we were able to recover. The, the time difference is really, it's hard. And would you say that your father got what he wanted out of this trip, getting a chance to be with his grandchildren and his daughter? 
Oh, yes. Yes, it was great. I mean, we saw, we went to visit the other towns to visit all the relatives. And all these relatives have been keeping track of us through Facebook. So they have heard of the children, but they've never met them. And when they met them, they were just so delighted. Uh, my dad has six six siblings in his family, and we've seen every one of them. And my mom had six siblings as well, so we, we saw them as well. And then we saw my dad's mother that's still alive. And that was amazing, just the way my, my dad's really is very compassionate and caring to his mother. And it's such a great example for my children to see. And I could see that they were also being very compassionate as well, learning to be compassionate in that. And I was, I was really glad of their response when they saw that. Like they weren't scared, oh, somebody's elderly on, on the bed. You know, they, they came to her. They held her hand and they did exactly what my dad does. You know, my dad would talk to, he, he, he would, he would talk to his mother and my children were imitating him. And that is just priceless. You know, like I can't explain how I can't teach it enough, you know, but for them to see the example before them and for them to follow it without feeling it's weird or anything, that was just amazing. That's great. How would you say, now I know the youngest is three, so just give me the, I know 10 and three, but what about the other three? How old are they? Okay, so it's 10, and then my daughter is eight, and then the next daughter is seven, and then the next son is five, and then the youngest is a boy, and he's three. So in terms of the youngest and the second to the youngest, um, have they expressed to you what this trip meant to them? They want to go back. They say they want to go back to go visit Kung Kung. That was what they would say. So I knew mm-hmm. it was positive. They normally complain a lot, and they didn't at this trip. And I really feel that they understood what was going on. And I said, we have to meet all these people. They want to see you, you know. You just have to observe so that we can come back and visit again. And they're looking forward to next time we go, even though I said, like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You said they tend to complain a lot. I think within the walls of your house, where the training primarily takes place, you're going to see a lot of manifestations of sinfulness emerge. But I always appreciated the fact that if I put in the time with my children in private, when we went in public, their behavior far surpassed often my expectations and certainly the expectations of people who were seeing them. And so it's not that if you homeschool your children and you rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you're not going to get complainers and you're not going to get children who sin because we all are sinners. What an opportunity for parents to be able to see what goes on, deal with it, and then it sounds like you experience the fruit of the training that you've given your children. Yes, it's a great opportunity to see how far they actually understand things. Some of the fruits I wanted to mention was about God's laws. Over there, we were, uh, we were taken to a Catholic church. 
And, uh, well, Indonesia is very diverse on the religions that they acknowledge. It's predominantly Muslim. And then there's Buddhist people, Catholic, uh, Catholic and then Protestants, and then uh, Hindu, Hinduism and Buddhism. So there's a lot of diversity, and they teach a lot about tolerance. And tolerant, I grew up thinking tolerance is a good word because that's what they teach over there. And uh, everybody can just live together peacefully and all that. So anyway, we were taken to a, a, to a Catholic church just to see how beautiful the building was by somebody that was Catholic. And so she was showing us some of these displays on the stage, you know, where they have different statues of saints and Jesus and Mary and things like this, boxes of sacred things, I guess. And while, while this lady was showing us, she would bow down and actually bow down to show that she is worshiping these things, which I just listened and we tried to keep a straight face, you know, and my second child, Ayu, she was like covering her eyes, like shielding her eyes the whole time. And she said, are we ready to go yet? Are we? She's eight years old. What's wrong? And she says, I cannot be in here. I cannot be in here. I can't see any. I, I'm not supposed to see any of these things. I'm not supposed to bow down to any of these things. And I cannot believe that she is showing us these things, you know? And so I, I, and then I realized, oh, she actually understands what is going on. So I, I was eager to, to leave the building. Uh, and she said, I cannot understand why, why anybody, God says clearly in his word that we should not make statues and we should not bow down to them. You know, this is what she's saying. And I am just like delighted to hear her say these things. And, mm-hmm. and afterwards it was a teaching moment. And then I was, we were able to discuss these things privately. I'd like to comment on that, though. You even have taught your children, as as uncomfortable as she was, she wasn't rude to the woman who was showing you around, and yes. she confided in you that it was an issue, but she didn't make a scene. Right. <laughs> and that's huge, because a lot of ways, it's, it's how you've taught. In, in other words, it doesn't seem to me that you taught that all these people who believe other things are bad because they believe other things, that you've taught your children that salvation comes by means of Jesus Christ, that the object isn't to have disdain for other people, is to have an openness that others would come to Christ. Yeah, there was a lot of teaching moments on this trip. The, uh, this lady at one time uh, pulled my hand to her so she could uh, read my palm. And she said, wow, you are lucky. Your territory will be increased. That's what she said. And I was like a little bit shocked that she was reading my palm. So I just said, praise God. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, praise God. He has already increased my territory through these children, I said. Because the Bible talks talks about children as being arrows in the hands of the warrior. That's what I said. And then she said, Wow, she's never heard of it, right? She said, you read the Bible? You know what is in the Bible? She said, <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah. And and, and uh, the children right. were just listening. And, and I experienced that even with my own children when they were younger. 
is that it's a good thing to give our children a lot of diverse experiences, but they need to be interpreted in terms of God's word. So we don't need to be afraid of people who hold to different beliefs. What we need to do is identify where those beliefs stack up in terms of scripture and where they don't. And then, like you said, not only make it a teaching moment, but, you know, tie it into the Great Commission. Because clearly, if we're supposed to make disciples of all nations, that includes people who currently hold different religious perspectives. Yes. Well, now go back a little bit in terms of, since, like I said, you're one of my former students and graduates, share a little bit about what going through the Institutes of Biblical Law meant to you in terms of your role as a wife and mother. It really helped me to see that everything in God's commands, in God's laws, actually apply to everyday life. It's not just for something on a Sunday or talk only when I'm talking about spiritual things with my Bible study friends, you know, but it actually applies to every day. Kind of like when we were on this trip, just going through everyday things, but yet seeing how uh, God's people don't understand God's laws and what can we speak up about that? Or I don't know. I just became more sensitive after I did go through the institutes about what is pleasing to God and what is not pleasing to God. That's how it's helped me. And I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I understand everything in the book because, you know, it's a thick book and so many words that are more advanced. And, but just to go through it one time, it really opens up a lot of, it opens up my eyes on things. And the thing about a good book is if it's worth reading once, it's worth reading twice. And because there may be specific things that, you know, you have a question about or an issue arises, that you know where to go find the the section that would deal with that. Yes. The three years that we spent together with the other women doing this, in terms of imparting biblical law to your children, obviously, your oldest is 10, and it was a year ago that I think we completed our study, or close to a year ago. And so he was younger. He was seven or six when we started. Um, a lot of people wonder, what did you do? Did you, when you finished reading the book, did you sit down and teach the book to the children? So speak a little bit about how you incorporated your understanding of biblical law to your children. It's not anything formal that I did. They just hear me prepare for it. Uh, when I'm trying to answer the questions and cramming it or uh, before the study, the meeting, you know, they would hear these things and I would ask my husband a lot of questions. And when I'm asking him at the dinner table, that's when the children hear it. It wasn't anything formal that I did. So it sounds like you wove it into life. Yes, yes. Or like we would just talk about various things that come up, how that would apply to the commandments. And I think at least my experience, having not only gone through the institutes many times myself, but having taught it, each time I teach it and I talk to other people and they give their insights or answers to questions that are posed for thought and discussion, that you learn a lot just by talking about it. And in the past, I actually learned a lot from my children who would then come back and say, 
well, you know, that sounds a lot like this. And they would have an insight that I didn't come up with myself. So the, the good part about the directive in scripture from the time they wake up in the morning till the time they go to bed and when you're walking along the way, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's probably the most important part, I think, and I imagine you'd agree, with capturing your children's hearts. Yes. And also even when I'm doing the others, uh, like reading a biography of a certain person or something, or reading a fiction, read aloud to them, certain instances, it would really, if if I'm reminded of what commandment that affects, I would speak up to them and tell them, oh, this is a great example of what this is going on. Would you tell women, especially with more than one or two children, because you have five, is it worth the time to carve out a couple of hours a week, not only to prepare for a discussion on biblical law, but to actually participate in a class? Obviously, it takes time away from all the other millions of things you have to do. How did you carve out that time? Well, it was, uh, yes, it's a commitment. It's one hour, um, one hour a week. And, but once you get used to it, the children know what, what to expect. I remember the first, I think it was the first meeting we had with, with you. And uh, you said something about, well, the children should be expected to, to, to know that they need to be quiet when mommy's doing Bible study or doing study, you know. And I thought to myself, yeah, they're not going to understand that. But I, um, but I, I did tell them that, like I said, okay, I need for that one hour, they just have to be orderly and quiet. And if they want to be in the room, they have to be quiet and listen. And uh, so they knew what to expect. It really took, it, it is really an effort for me to start talking to my children. Like they know what they're like, they understand when my first and second were younger, I used to think that I don't need to talk to them because they don't understand. But I was surrounding myself with people who thought differently, kind of like what they were thinking like you, where, no, they do understand. They do understand since they're young. So we should always talk to them directly and give them direction, instruction, you know? So, and and it's true. What you said is true, Andrea, that they do understand. You just have right. to let them know what is it that they need to understand. So, we, we have to come to this awareness that when God gives us children and we hold that baby for the first time, that's an eternal being, just like we are. Yes, in a small body that can't take care of itself and can't speak and it can't express itself, but they know. They, they know. And, and, and so it's our job to direct that knowing into a point where they understand that they've got responsibilities, even from a very young age. I just got to tell you, I still applaud the fact that you took a three-year-old <laughs> across the world or halfway across the world. And that three-year-old obviously not only has a sense to respect and obey you, but he had to have it with his older brother and sisters. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't have worked. Yes, yes. I talked to him a lot. I I did talk to him a lot. I've really embraced that, like, maybe only recently, really. I mean, I did not start out parenting like that. Seeing the children as 
capable beings, you know, that under, that they should understand these instructions. And we just keep on repeating it and repeating it. And what a blessing it is for children to be able to say, I can't remember a time where my parents weren't talking to me about God and his word. That's, that's a huge gift that you give your children and the returns on that will be seen generationally. Well, thank you so much. I really kind of watched your trek while you were on Facebook and putting up pictures and things like that. And I, I just said, I, I've got to share this story with other people to encourage people to say, if, if you think the task of homeschooling is tough, um, yeah, it's going to take some effort, but take a look at what the outcome is when you've diligently been training your children. You can take them halfway around the world in 20 days. I do wanted to share with you this other um, story. We went to this small town called Kudus, which is my hometown. It's a, it's a little town, and my aunts have a, a shop there. They have an herbal, herbal shop. And uh, when we were coming over there, they closed up the shop, and they said, we are going to take you to touristy places and see what other entertainment we can do around here. And I said, no, 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 that's not what I want to see. I want to see the Jammu shop, which is Jammu is the herbal shop. I want to see how the shop works. I want to show my children how the shop works. And they were like, why, why, you know, (laughs) something a little bit more interesting. Uh, They think like going to um, play um, amusement parks and things would like make us happy. But, uh, but no, we actually had the most wonderful time in this little town because we saw the herbal shop. We saw my uncle that is an electrician and how he works in his in his little place and he was trying to show my son when he realized we were all doing the homeschool field trip this is what we're doing he showed him all kinds of things like he's an electrician and he he repairs TVs he repairs you know other gadgets and stuff so he he pretty much took my son under his wings for two nights and 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 showed him the basics of electronics and the he had such a wonderful time and he does this uh my uncle doesn't speak indonesia uh, doesn't speak english and my son doesn't speak indonesian so but they were communicating and he was learning and and my uncle was just so excited to show him that was all because after they realized this is a homeschool field trip i want to learn i want them to see as much as they can and learn about everything you know, everything that they could get their hands on. And so that was very interesting. And that was probably like the best part of the trip. I have a different mindset now because of homeschooling that every person, we can gather some knowledge from them and we could benefit from from what they know, you know. And so for me, it's like an opportunity every time uh, like this, I'm like, oh, you got to learn everything, you know, all the wisdom, all the knowledge he has that he wants to tell you. So my son was very eager to receive that too. He was so calm and listening and interested, you know? And so that was, I see the whole, I mean, I I loved it. It was, the whole thing was happening right in front of me. (laughs) 
Right. Well, the truth about homeschooling is, and it's not just restricted to homeschooling because there are a lot of fine Christian schools that develop a desire for learning. I know my grandchildren go to a Christian school and, and they have that. And I've taken them on field trips and they're very interested in ask questions. It's that God made us so that we can acquire knowledge, that we can learn, we're supposed to. And when you see so many children after they've gone through the state school system, and I hate school, I hate reading, I hate this, I hate that, it wasn't because people naturally hate it. Naturally, children want to learn. It's, it's that desire gets beaten out of them because, number one, it's not valuable things that they're necessarily learning and it's not related to like you have things related to with your children as to why this is important how this serves god and how you can use this information to glorify god you have a a hard act to follow your children are going to say where to mom where are we going to go next (laughs) (laughs) all right well god bless you and take care and give my best to your husband and your children oh thank you so much bye Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast, holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.